Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. My name is Mary Vandenack. I'm the founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about legal and tax issues, trusts and estates, business succession and exit planning, legal technology, law practice management and leadership, and well-being. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory Housing and Business Centers, and Carson Private Client. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. Technology has become an essential part of our daily lives. However, not all fields have embraced technology. Lawyers, especially estate planning attorneys, need to stay up to date with specific laws and any issues affecting taxes and wealth preservation. Implementing an automated drafting system can help lawyers spend more time with their clients and less time doing back office tasks. Estate planners and law professionals turn to Interactive Legal as their main resource for the latest planning strategies. Interactive Legal provides the most comprehensive productivity system on the market with an easy-to-use document drafting system, extensive continuing education, thought-provoking discussion forums, and more. With Interactive Legal, attorneys get to spend more time with their clients. It's time to connect, collaborate, and create. To learn more about Interactive Legal, visit interactivelegal.com. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. On today's episode, my guest is Abby O'Connor. Abby practices in estate planning, trusts, and estates in Alaska, representing both Alaskans and non-Alaskans. She also engages in mathematical modeling to support the analysis for estate planning strategies or other things as well. I think litigation support and various, but she's good at math. She's also a frequent writer and presenter on estate planning topics. She's joined me on a previous episode to talk about building her practice in Alaska. Today, I asked her to come back on the podcast and talk about Alaska trusts. Thanks for coming back, Abby. Thank you for having me, Mary. Great to be back. So I think the really important thing is that just before we started this podcast, you were mentioning that you're in salmon season in Alaska. Is it because they have great salmon that they also have great trusts in Alaska? Or um, I wish I could connect the two. 
because uh, I would connect great fishing with everything in Alaska. Um, but I, I, I think they're mutually exclusive. So I'm looking forward to seeing some pictures of you fishing salmon while I'm at uh, Axpec Paintings in D.C. But uh, can you start by just talking about, you know, why is Alaska a popular state for creating trust? Sure, Mary. Uh, Alaska, back in the 90s, adopted the first uh, statutory structure for uh, domestic self-settled asset protection trusts. And it Alaska was really the pioneer in the U.S. for those types of trusts. Uh, and other states have now followed suit, so there's there's numerous places to go, uh, but Alaska remains among the strongest jurisdictions for uh, self-settled asset protection trusts. That's probably why Alaska is the most popular for non-Alaskans. Uh, another uh, offering of Alaska that is not as popular because I think it's simply just not as well known, is that non-Alaskans can come to Alaska and create Alaska community property trusts, which can be incorporated into their overall estate plan and may provide for some um, positive income tax planning in the long term. And so as long as you brought that up, so let's, I'm going to just break those down into a couple categories. But at the end of the day, Alaska is a great jurisdiction for trust because it's a state that's been proactive in passing legislative legislation and creating tools that you can use in Alaska that are not necessarily available in other states. And so the first example of that is that they were the pioneer. And I guess as I was listening to you talk about them being a pioneer for domestic asset protection trust, I was just curious whether you know who is the driver of that or why? Who came up with that idea or what drove kind of the concept? That would be Jonathan Blotmacher. He was the pioneer or the, the head of the pioneering idea behind the asset protection trust planning in Alaska. Um, and he and... Um, uh, his brother, Doug Blotmacher, and a team of Alaskan lawyers worked very hard to get that legislation through. I can't give you a lot more detail because um, I was in college at the time, but uh, from from what I heard, it was quite the feat and uh, you know, t- terrific, terrific legislation and other states have, have followed in those footsteps. The other thing I want to mention about our state uh, is that we're very approachable for non-Alaskans, meaning we've we've got um, our, our core system is not overwhelming. We we I wouldn't call it simple, but it's not overly complicated. We can get into the courts. We can have trust proceedings. I I think my clients find it to be an approachable state. We have good counsel. We've got a terrific trust company here that works with people out of state. So it's it's not an overwhelming task to create an Alaska trust. And it's usually like when I've done trust in other states that have some of these special rules, there's people who specialize in helping somebody like me bring clients to their state, right? Like I could readily call you and say, hey, help me with this Alaska trust, or I could call Jonathan. And I have to ask, I'm thinking, oh, we should have had him on for this conversation as well today, right? Because I'm thinking, okay, he's from a, from New York and has was at a New York law firm for a long time. How did he end up deciding to drive legislation in Alaska? Do you know, or do I have to boot that? I think you'll, I, 
I think you'll have to ask him, but I think he fell in love with Alaska for the same reason I did. But I'm not sure you would be able to get him today because I am pretty confident he's fishing. He's fishing? Oh, no. So, yeah, he's... So we'll ask him for some pictures of the fish to go with this podcast as well. We can ask him to talk about that. He and I were supposed to go fishing last weekend and the uh, the weather didn't cooperate. We may try again for this weekend, but... I think she might be delicious today. June is pretty solid there, correct? Correct. I got there late May one year and it was still a little not great, but I think it depends on the day. Well, let's talk about what is the Domestic Asset Protection Trust. So that's one of the things you mentioned. They were the pioneer. Alaska was a pioneer in allowing people to set up the Alaska Asset Protection Trust. Can you just explain what one is? Sure. The theory behind it and the general concept is that an individual creates an irrevocable trust in Alaska, transfers assets to that trust, and that individual, the grantor, remains a beneficiary, usually one of a number of beneficiaries, a discretionary beneficiary. And in the future, if uh, a creditor comes after and gets a judgment against that individual, then the idea is that if the trust works, uh, the creditor would not be able to attach the assets in the trust. So what type of client would be the client that I would say you should consider an Alaska Asset Protection Trust? A wealthy client in a high-risk field uh, who can part with some assets and essentially siphon off some degree of wealth that they don't need on a regular basis. So for example, if, if somebody, if you have a client with $5 million and what they want to do is take $4 million of it and put it into an asset protection trust, I would not recommend that. But if you've got a client and, and it's hard to pin down a number, but just for discussion purposes, if you have a client with north of 20 or 30 million who wants to take an account with maybe three or four million and uh, put that into an asset protection trust that they, they're not going to need to draw from. It's not really a rainy day fund, but part of an overall saving strategy and they don't think they'll need it. Um, and they're, you know, they're not involved in litigation at the moment. They're, they're um, waiting or not waiting, but you know, there's, this is for a someday potential uh, creditor, then this could be a good part of their overall estate plan. When I first started doing asset protection planning, I remember one of the early calls that I got, and it was somebody who owned a lot of real estate. And I can't remember which state they were in, but they're somewhere on the West Coast or the Great Northwest. And they had 20 lawsuits pending against them and were hoping that we could go take everything and put it into an Alaska Asset Protection Trust and save them. That's the client that's too late, right? It's the complete opposite of what you just shared. Right, right. Yeah, I, the, this needs to be planned in advance. For that, to, for it to work, you can go try it. You can probably find somebody who'll let you pay you to do an asset protection trust, but make sure you're covered. Right. We we had a we had a case a number of years ago, I think if I recall, it's the Tony One case or the Wacker case where um, that was the situation. It was too late. They they already had a judgment against them. They were already embroiled in litigation and tried an asset protection trust in Alaska 
um, and it, and it, it didn't work for some very technical reasons, but the short story is it didn't work. And I consider myself a conservative planner. So if somebody is already in litigation in, in my book, that's too late. Another call that I got early on was a client who was in, I can't remember what the term you was used, but a high risk industry. So they had a industry they you know they got sued a lot the client had gotten into this particular industry it was early so he'd be the one who only had five million at the time and called me and said and only five million that sounds ridiculous so he had five million at the time but when we're talking asset protection trust what we're saying is we don't want them to put their entire wealth at that level into a trust that they have potentially some limited access to but this guy called them and said, well, this is how much I'm making a year. And what I want to do now is I've heard about these asset protection trusts. And, you know, I think I'm going to do pretty well in my business, but it's a high risk business. So I'm likely to get sued, but I don't want to put everything I have in it. So he started at that time, like the first year he set it up, he put a hundred thousand in. And that's what he was able to put away for the first few years. And then as he made more, he increased that amount. And continue to increase it till he did have a really nice, you know, backup fund many years later, and that still exists. Would that be another potential client that could consider that strategy? It would. It would. Just keep in mind every time the grantor funds the trust again, we can't. We have to go through the same exercise to to evaluate whether or not it's a good fit. It, you're not creating a new trust, but we're going through the same thing. What's the portion of overall wealth? Um, making sure they're solvent afterwards. There's an affidavit of solvency that's required at the time. Uh, so it it's not something where you can just keep feeding it without any further work. It You need to go through the exercise each time of deciding whether or not it's a good idea. So there's some expenses and some considerations. And again, if you like are doing that gradually and then you've been sued, that probably creates some risk that you wouldn't want to at that point continue. But it's not that you would throw that throw that strategy under the bus. It's something that should, could be considered by somebody who isn't at the 20 or 30 million, but has concerns with asset protection, just knowing that there's some compliance and cons- it's an ongoing maintenance process, so to speak. Sure. Just the other thing to consider is if you're funding it with uh, to start with low value assets, there still will be expenses. Um, and so one of the expenses is you have to have an Alaskan trustee. Now, that trustee can have limited duties, but uh, the grantor cannot be the trustee in charge of distributions. So there at least has to be another, there has to be a trustee in charge of distributions who's different, and there has to be an Alaskan trustee. So there will be some trustee fees, uh, and that has to be considered as to whether or not it's worth it, depending on how much you're putting in it. It's it's a cost-benefit analysis, no matter what you do. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors. If you had a dollar for every financial advisor that just wanted your money, your financial future would already be secure. At Foster Group, our team is different. One whose focus is on you and your dreams. Together, we'll create a strategy that helps you get there. Wherever there is for you. Foster Group. Your financial life truly cared for. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com. Okay, let's continue our episode. 
And there's a lot of jurisdictions these days. So Alaska was the pioneer. We're talking about Alaska. But my next question is, so what are the most important considerations in choosing a jurisdiction? So there's a lot of competitors out there. At one point, Alaska was pretty much the game in town. And then that started to expand other states. So, hey, that's a great idea. I've tried to sell it in my home state to no avail. So we're behind the curve at this point. But there's competitors out there and they all have different strengths and weaknesses. What would you say are some of the important considerations in deciding where to go? Well, the first one is the statutory structure, making sure the state statute supports asset protection planning, which I, you know, what you're talking about is choosing between all states who do. Um, and other other aspects are if you are, um, you know, if, if this is a trust that you need to decant, if you have notice concerns, take a look at the notice statutes. Take a look at the specific statutes that you think you might need. Um, but the other the other factor in my book is uh, is just being able to work with people in that state, uh, making sure there's there's a trust company in that state that you want to work with, making sure you have local counsel that you want to work with, making sure that the courts are accessible, which ours are. Uh, I think that's a very important factor because especially when you have trusts that have been going on for a long time, they need to be modified. Take a look at what the, the, the modification statutes are. Can the trust be decanted? Is judicial modification a possibility um, so that we can create flexibility in the long run? Uh, you know, what what is that like and what are the experiences in that state for people to be able to work within the trusts so that they don't become a hindrance but become something that's really positive for the family? Let's say that in my home state, and I'm surrounded by a, a few states that offer the Domestic Asset Protection Trust. And actually, the I think South Dakota has the Community Property Trust as well. So let's say in my home state that a lot of people will own hunting land. So they go hunting in South Dakota. That's really common. They have a cabin or they have some hunting land. In Alaska, you own a water plane and you go salmon fishing. or So that might be the connection. Does it matter when I'm talking to a client about where they should set up this type of trust if they have any relationships with Alaska or South Dakota or whatever jurisdiction they might be looking at? Well, connections certainly don't hurt. Um, we create the connection here by having an Alaska trustee and some of the trust assets have to be held and deposited in Alaska. So there's always at least an Alaskan bank account. Uh, one of the other strategies that I'll use, and you know, nothing nothing is guaranteed, but one of the things that I'll use is if if a client does have assets in a different state, we might create an Alaskan LLC, transfer those assets to the Alaskan LLC, and now we have a now we have an, a, another Alaska asset. So it, it is certainly helpful to have more connection to the state, but I don't know that that's determinative. And I'm going to go back to the other trust type that you mentioned, because I think that's worthy of a mention because it's not possible in every state, but that's the community property trust. Can you briefly describe what that is and why somebody would consider that? Because I think you're right, that is less well known, but it has some great benefits. Sure. Well, uh, you know, the, the benefit of community property is the double step up in basis on death uh, and uh not all states have community property. Alaska has an opt-in community property system. So uh, for Alaska residents, you opt in either by agreement or with a community property trust. For non-residents, uh, you can 
create under our statutes, you can create an Alaska Community Property Trust, put the assets in the trust and designate them as Alaska Community Property. Um, now, whether the IRS will respect it or not, I can't guarantee that. However, if if done correctly as part of the overall planning, um, it, it's, in my view, one of those situations of if it, if it works great, and if it doesn't, you really haven't lost anything. So it, you, have to, you have to take a look at what the property was before you made a community property and spousal rights and, and all of that. So there's definitely some analysis involved, uh, but it, it is a potential avenue for, let's say, a couple in a non-community property jurisdiction who has low basis assets or maybe depreciated commercial property or something where they really could benefit from the double step up in basis they create the Alaska Community Property Trust, convey those assets into the Alaska Community Property Trust, and then there's the potential for the double step up in basis on the first F. So a, a significant potential upside. And if you structure it correctly and, uh, and the analysis is right, you would have a, a limited potential downside. So I'm in a non-community property jurisdiction, but a client that's located here in the state of resident of Nebraska, domiciled here, whatever the case might be, could set up an Alaskan community property trust and have some benefits. So are the rules similar to like the domestic asset protection trust I name an Alaskan trustee? What do I have to do to get that done? Similar, yeah, si similar jurisdictional issues. You have to have an Alaskan trustee who has, uh, there's some, some, basic duties that that Alaska trustee has to have. Um, so for example, keeping the books and records of the trust, um, do some of the administration in Alaska, making sure any tax returns are filed for the trusts, and, and as I said, hold, hold some of the assets here. Um, I, I certainly, with tax counsel, would want to consider whether or not to create an Alaskan LLC and have the assets conveyed into the Alaskan LLC. I think a lot of, a lot of analysis has to be done depending on the assets. But generally, that's what's required to have the Alaska trust is the trustee, some assets here. Um, and those, those are the two real connections. And if we were to talk about requirements versus best practices, is there anything that you would say, this is what's required. It's always going to help if these things happen. Well, for the Asset Protection Trust, I think the best, in my view, the best practices has to do with the percentage of assets that you're transferring into the trust. So, you know, I'm, I'm a conservative planner. I feel like a quarter or a third is the most that I would be comfortable doing. Um, I don't have any hard data to, to back that up. I'm just very conservative. However, uh, I know there are practitioners who'd be comfortable with a lot more of a percentage of wealth being put into the trust um, and, and they would stand by it. And I can't criticize that at all. Um, it's just not my comfort level. So in terms of back best practices, that's something to consider as to the percentage of the overall wealth that is transferred into the trust. Um, it, there's an affidavit required for self-settled trusts that, that's required by statute. Um, however, I, I don't think it would hurt to go above and beyond that. Uh, and then also just from a practitioner standpoint, the know your, know your client, uh, know, know who's coming to the estate, why they're coming to the estate. Um, and it's something where I, I like to know if someone's, if an attorney's calling me and they have clients who want to come and create an Alaska trust, I will ask for the backstory. Um, and why, you know, why are they, why are they coming? Uh, because it's, you know, if, if I think it's a bad idea, I, I certainly will, 
will say so. Um, and uh, we'll want to be very candid about that. So in terms of best practices, I would say those are those are my two top concerns. With respect to the asset protection trust, can you get protection from any and every type of potential creditor or are there any limitations? I um, I would think that there are super creditors like the IRS. I, I don't know that it would stand up. I can't tell you one way or the other from experience. Um, I would think there's a super creditor, but what we we don't have a carve out for divorce, meaning um, if as, as long there are some requirements when you're creating it, if you're married about notice to a spouse. Um, but generally speaking, for our Alaska trusts, we don't for our spendthrift rules, we don't have a carve out for divorce, meaning uh, if someone's getting divorced, uh, they they can't attack the assets in the trust merely because it's a divorce. So it's a, another aspect I'll I'll talk about with clients, even my Alaska clients, if they're creating their trusts for their children uh, after their death, say why you know why is it important to keep the Alaska trust or keep the trust in Alaska? It's one of the things I'll say is I I think we're stronger in terms of divorce and keeping the assets protected. But if it's an asset protection trust, then it depends on notice requirements when you created the trust if you were married at the time. And with that, isn't this type of trust, the asset protection trust, held out sometimes as an alternate to a premarital agreement? Um, I think it could be used in conjunction with a premarital agreement for sure. I, I mean, if you're, as long as it's done again in advance, far enough in advance, uh, creating the Alaska Asset Protection Trust, it would be a good um, counterpart to a prenuptial agreement. I, I can't say I would use it in solely instead of it but I think it would be very helpful. And if you can't get a prenuptial agreement, but you've already had the Alaska Asset Protection Trust, I think that's certainly better than not having anything in place. So what are the estate tax consequences if you pass away and you have assets in the Alaska Self-Settled Spendthrift Trust? I think it depends on how you set up the trust. So um, more common than not, I see the Asset Protection Trust set up as incomplete gift trusts. So the grantor has either retained a veto power or maybe a testamentary power of appointment. Uh, and so it's an incomplete gift trust. So the assets are included in the estate. As far as the completed gift, um, I do know of practitioners who take the position that the assets are excluded from the estate. Um, I, I Personally, I think I have some questions about 2036 and reserved you know, retained interests. Uh, but I think that's a debatable discussion uh, and uh, be beyond the scope of today. Uh, but I think it depends on on what the goal is. If it's pure asset protection planning, then, uh, you know, an, an incomplete gift trust might be the best option because that's all because all you're trying to do is get the asset protection. This might be an unfair question to ask you off the top of my head because I didn't warn you I was going to ask it. But that's only because I just thought of it as we're talking about that. So let's say I have a client who live in one of the states that still has state estate taxes, and that's they're a resident of that state at the time of their death. And maybe that makes the last question even more complicated. But is that the fact that that's in Alaska going to get it outside of their state's estate tax, or is it still going to be subject to estate tax, or is that going to depend on what the laws of that state say? I think it would depend on what the laws of that state would say, because if the state is going to tax them on their overall 
gross estate wherever located because they're a resident there. I don't know that it would matter. So I, I think that's a state-specific question. Alaska does not have a state estate tax. So um, at least we don't have anything here. We still have an inheritance tax in Nebraska, and I was just reading through the states that still have estate taxes, and I was actually surprised by the number that do. So do you have any last thoughts on today's topic? Uh, I really don't. And I mean, we're, we certainly uh, enjoy working with attorneys from out of state who call and uh, want to create trust in Alaska. I, I always recommend working with local counsel to at least review a draft trust and make sure that it complies with Alaska law and uh, just, just give, give insight as to how the trust might be run in the state of Alaska. Um, but other than that, I, I, I don't. I think this is a strong area, uh, and um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it. And I think that point you made about using, even if you're familiar with the state laws, so to speak, I always contact somebody who's in that state dealing with that issue on a regular basis. And I used my weird analogy when I visited Alaska and you took me around the airport and I'm thinking, it's just, you know, it's an airport. And yet there's tons of these planes that are all these little planes with and going, oh, wow, that is just how different the culture is in different states. And if you are dealing with the law, you're going to have little nuances of differences that you don't know. Like I didn't know till we were talking today that it's easier to get in the court system. And I might have thought differently just because of the population of the state. And thinking some states have specialized courts and I actually don't know what Alaska has, but that's kind of a nice thing to hear because there's a lot of states that can't say that. Well, I appreciate you joining me again today, Abby. And as we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory Housing and Business Centers, and Carson Private Client. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.